Welcome to the HR Empowerment Podcast, where we will uncover strategies and new insights from HR professionals who discuss up-to-date regulations, best practices, and the most pressing topics like diversity and equity, leadership, dealing with difficult situations, and much more that affect your bottom line and business. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everybody. Wendy Sellers, the HR lady. Welcome back to our podcast. Hey, JC, how you doing up there in upstate New York? Oh, I'm really, really warm. It's hot. Yes, the whole country is hot. No, actually, I should not say the whole country. Some parts of the country are still melting. And I think, you know, this is uh, very closely related to our topic today about mental health is when you're expecting one thing and you get another, you know, which uh, the past few years, I'm sure are our very special uh, podcast guests can talk about the past few years. I don't know. We have this worldwide pandemic. Hey, Juliet, did that affect other people with mental health concerns or develop mental health concerns? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of people who had never experienced mental health concerns, experienced mental health concerns for the first time during the pandemic and also after the pandemic. And Two of the biggest things that depression feeds on is isolation and disruption of routine. So can you think of another time in our lives where we've been more isolated or had our routine completely upended? Um, It's really been difficult for people to get back into the hang of things before the way they were um, before the pandemic. And it's actually especially impacted children because they, some of the students who were in fifth grade, for example, they were in elementary school before the pandemic started are now in eighth grade. And so they lost, you know, a year, two years almost of schooling in uh, community and being in classroom with other kids. And so a lot of their social skills are not up to par with what a typical eighth graders might be. And so when they are in groups now or trying to socialize, there's a lot of social anxiety. There's a lot of people feeling like they don't want to go to sports practice. They don't want to go to birthday parties because they don't know how to socialize with people their age anymore. They didn't have a natural progression into that. Um, So it's definitely affected a lot of people, whether it be students or employees in the workplace who were used to going into the office and got the hang of that. And that was their routine. And they woke up in the morning and made breakfast, went to the office, went to the gym, came home. Now there are people who had those routines who don't leave their apartment all day long or their houses all day long because they don't really need to. Um, so that, you know, again, that isolation, that disruption of routine, it all feeds into the depression and the anxiety that people are feeling right now. I know. I know. I definitely felt it during the pandemic. I'm a pretty uh, resilient person. And I, I was even calling a hotline as well myself because of the isolation, which I initially really enjoyed. <laughs> and then I was like, OK, I need to talk to anybody, anybody, like literally anybody. I need to go sit and have a coffee with somebody. Um, JC, you have any stats on uh, 2020 mental health conditions? Absolutely. Nationally in 2020. of U.S. adults, 52.9 million, experienced a mental health condition. And according to the CDC, mental illness, it is among the most common health conditions in the United States. More than one in five U.S. adults live with a mental illness. Back to you. 
I find that interesting that I bet you it's even higher than that 52.9 million because that means that's how many would report it. How many other people, um, including my peers, you know, like I said, I reached out for help, uh, you know, probably months after other people did. And for me to reach out for help, I, that, that took a lot. So I'm willing to bet, and I'm sure you are too, Juliet that the percentages specifically in 2020 of U.S. adults experience a mental health condition was far greater than 21%. What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially since the pandemic, but in general, mental illness uh, statistics are predicted to be relatively far off from what their reality are. Um, the reality is because of the fact that not a lot of people are willing to go ahead and receive an official diagnosis. Um, so that's how they gauge these statistics is people going to therapists or going to psychiatrists and receiving an official diagnosis. So even just people who are willing to talk to their friends and say, I have really bad anxiety or I have a really bad depression, those things aren't recorded. Um, we also have a huge lack of information when it comes to statistics on mental illness and statistics on suicide. It's not researched or updated as much as it is for the other, um, leading mental illness, uh, leading illnesses in the country. Um, we're still super far behind in terms of keeping the physical health, uh, data up with the mental health data. So absolutely those, those statistics would likely be much higher if more people felt comfortable receiving a diagnosis. Right. So, you know, where, where do we go from here, whether you're an HR, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a manager, whether you're just somebody listening, saying, I want to I want to help somebody else. I mean, is it just is it enough to just learn how to be an active listener? Being an active listener is extremely important when it comes to providing peer support, but we also need to take action. So there's something called the Good Samaritan Act. And the Good Samaritan Act is a law that certifies that anybody who assists in a mental health or physical health crisis can be protected against a lawsuit as long as they can prove that their means were motivated with good intent. And so earlier, I think JC mentioned that people are afraid to help um, because they're worried about doing something wrong. And so we really encourage our clients, our, the companies that we work with to get all of their staff trained so that they not only know how to have a conversation and be a good listener, but they also know how to act. And so that includes connecting people to treatment. Like we said earlier, with the CPR and the calling 911 and the ambulance, you as a peer support are not going to be the final, uh, you know, the end of the line for the support for the person that you're helping. So you want to call this person's insurance company. If they have insurance, um, we're going to get their insurance card, call their insurance provider, figure out what kind of mental health resources are available to them. We're going to offer to drive them to the therapy session, follow up with them after, see how it went. Um, if someone doesn't have health insurance, we go through in our course, you know, what kind of resources are available to them. Um, but no, as much as listening can go a really long way, we need to learn how to act as well. I just looked up why this year, why you were talking. I totally forgot about that Good Samaritan Act. So thank you for that. I looked it up on the National Library of Medicine and it does say that in the USA, all 50 states have Good Samaritan laws. 
and provisions of these laws do vary from state to state, but generally speaking, they uh, recognize the moral duty to stop and render treatment rather than a legal requirement. And, um, you know, our lawsuit happy country here that you will, for the most part, be protected if you're trying to do the right thing. Right. Right. And I hear from a lot of uh, clients of ours and HR representatives that we're talking to typically HR is our point of contact when we're going, you know, and and trying to get our services into schools and companies. Um, they typically understand the need for this type of service. But when they pass it up the chain, um, a lot of the, you know, the barriers that we hit is that companies are worried that if we open the conversation about mental health, we're going to face some sort of lawsuit. Um, and the truth is that in a study done in 2021, uh, 65% of people reported speaking to a coworker about their mental health, um, but less than 50% of those employees reported receiving a supportive response. So people are having these conversations, whether or not companies feel comfortable with it or not. And the better, uh, you know, the more educated we are, the better suited we are to help and the less liability that we can expect. Thank you for that. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening to episode three of our five-part series on peer support training for mental health. We're here with Juliet Meskers, who's the CEO and co-founder of MOTH, M-O-T-H, Minds Open to Heal. We'll be up soon with episode four, where we're going to talk a little bit more about active bystander approach. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining the HR Empowerment Podcast brought to you by Aurora Training Advantage. We hope you've gained new insight and strategies to navigate the HR profession. We look forward to you joining us again on the HR Empowerment Podcast.